COVID-19 proves fatal to a victim in his 40s. We must be steadfast in our commitment to holding the line right now. How it shows this infection can afflict anyone of any age. Emergency relief applications open. A very, very palpable sense of anxiety. Will the Canadian cash injection make people feel better about the future? And how a lot of people are coping with the COVID crisis. Alcohol is a natural place to turn for many of us because we walk up the street and buy a bottle. Growing concerns about an increase in drinking. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC's COVID-19 numbers from over the weekend through this morning show stability and a reason to be hopeful that we are flattening the curve. Over the past 48 hours, we've had 63 new cases for a total now of 1,266 and one additional death. And while there is cautious optimism and even the federal health minister is recognizing B.C., Keith Baldry reports that one new death is troubling. We're focusing on long-term care homes, on clusters and outbreaks in the community. Dr. Bonnie Henry remains worried about what may lay ahead. But right now, things seem to appear relatively stable. Currently, there are 140 people in hospital because they have COVID-19, a decline of nine cases since Saturday. But there are 72 people in intensive care or critical care, a rise of four. And now almost 800 people have fully recovered from the virus, an increase of 79 over the weekend. Our percentage of new cases, as you can see, has been slowing. It's been bending. And that's really important. And it's testament to the effort that everybody here in British Columbia has been making over these past few weeks. But there has been another death. And this did not occur at a long-term care home, where the vast majority of COVID-19 deaths have occurred. Instead, a man in his 40s died at home. We are, of course, concerned about uh, the effects that this virus can have, even on young people. We know that there's been some young people in other parts of the country, including uh, someone in their 20s who's um, unfortunately died in Alberta over the last few days. So it is, young people are not immune to this. Nevertheless, BC's overall numbers earned the praise today from the country's chief public health officer. British Columbia recorded a lower number of cases this week compared to last while it is still too early to tell, this continues to encourage us that our collective action can slow the spread of this pandemic. Dr. Henry says BC benefited from a combination of luck, timing and taking early action. We had some community transmission and put on the very restrictive measures just prior to our March break. And I think that's a critical thing as well. And part of that is because we learned from Quebec. You know, we put the measures on around the same time, but they had a lot more community spread. So they were still catching up. All right, let's bring Keith in for more on this. Keith, uh, Adrian Dix also talked today about the work the province is doing with the federal government when it comes to Canadians who are returning from abroad. Yeah, he's been quite concerned about this. Both he and Dr. Bonnie Henry worried that thousands of people coming home to Canada, and I'm talking as of last Friday, there were almost 400,000 Canadians registered with the Global Affairs Canada to come home, uh, will not self-isolate, which is mandatory under the law. Folks, if you've got friends or relatives returning uh, through YVR in the days ahead, they must go home and must self-isolate. It's, it's the law. You can face a substantial fine if you don't. And Adrian Dix was heartened today to hear Justin Trudeau this morning, the Prime Minister, talk about how the Fed the federal government has institutions and facilities ready and ready to go to forcibly put people in quarantine if it comes to that. All right. Thanks, Keith.
Well, within hours of opening, more than half a million Canadians have already applied for a Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Under the federal government program, workers who lost their jobs due to the coronavirus pandemic will get $500 a week to help make ends meet. Aaron MacArthur has what you need to know about who's eligible and how to apply. More than 1,000 people every minute logging on and clicking through. More than half a million people applied for their emergency benefits through the Government of Canada portal on the first day. Whether you're taking care of someone who's sick, have been laid off, or are living with a disability, the CERB is there for you. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit designed to give as many people as possible a basic income. The benefit can be applied for over the phone. Online applicants need either a CRA or a Service Canada account. The benefit pays out $500 a week for a maximum of 16 weeks. People will need to reapply every four weeks, and these benefits are taxable. In order to minimize the strain on the system, Canadians are being asked to stagger their applications. People with birthdays in the first three months of the year can apply Mondays. April, May, and June birthdays apply on Tuesday. People born July, August, or September can apply on Wednesdays. And people born in the last three months of the year are eligible to apply on Thursdays. Despite the system checks, the website was so overloaded on Monday, some people found an error message to try back later. Canadians that this program was meant to assist falling through the cracks. There are criticisms that the benefit doesn't go far enough. An online petition has been launched calling on government to include more people. Right now, the benefit doesn't include those who are already on EI or applied for EI before March 15th. Part-time workers and university students are excluded too. If you're working reduced hours, down to 10 hours a week or less, we will soon announce how you will be able to qualify for the CERB. The money expected to flow within the next five days. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Part on the beach, organizers are cancelling the upcoming season because of the uncertainty surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. The Shakespeare Festival, which usually runs from June to September under the tents at Vanier Park, has been called off this summer. Artistic director Christopher Gaze says the plays that were supposed to be performed will be pushed to 2021. The lineup will include A Midsummer Night's Dream, Henry V, Love's Labor's Lost and more. Tickets already purchased will be honored next year. And with no end in sight to the COVID-19 crisis, Via Rail has extended its service suspension. The Canadian, the rail company's signature cross-country trip from Vancouver to Toronto, now will not be running until at least June 1st. Service will also remain halted on the popular Prince Rupert, Prince George, Jasper route. The railway says all passengers who had booked a trip during, uh, during this time will be reimbursed automatically. It probably won't come as a big surprise, but a new survey shows the vast majority of Canadians are pessimistic about the COVID pandemic and how bad it's going to get. And as Sarah McDonald reports, a lot of people are worried about their own finances if it drags on for months. The devastating economic impact of COVID-19 has swept the globe at the same rapid pace as the pandemic itself. And new data suggests the majority of Canadians are bracing for an even bleaker economic outlook. 
just a very, very palpable sense of anxiety, of concern, and really on two levels. Um, absolutely what is gripping Canadians right now is worry about what's going to happen to them financially. Of more than 2,000 Canadians surveyed last week by Angus Reid, nearly 90% expect the worst is yet to come economically, with nearly half of all households surveyed already losing income. Something small business owners like Kasha Balva understand all too well. Most of the weddings that we're dealing with right now um, have all been cancelled or rather postponed. Which means transactions at her bridal boutique have slowed to a crawl. Right alongside the wedding planning process for many couples this spring and summer. We literally have a 99% cancellation right now, so nothing going forward. With every single month going by, you know, with us being responsible for rent, um, you know, bills coming nonstop, uh, none of this is, uh, you know, we're getting absolutely no help. Help she wants to see in the form of rent and mortgage freezes. As many Canadians say they simply don't have disposable income to spend, more than a quarter of respondents are barely staying afloat financially. And that figure increases among millennials. 61% of respondents say they're financially stable for the short term, though like so many of us concerned about how long all this will last. We're not sure we're going to survive. Just over 1 in 10 Canadians fall in a very fortunate minority, in great shape financially, with savings ready to weather an economic storm in the months ahead. Sarah McDonald, Global News. This is not the time. That was the message of a Saanich man who broke up an apparent road rage fight. Hey, 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 don't, don't, hey! Hey, stop! It happened last Tuesday afternoon on Tillicum Road near Gorge. Daniel Smith was driving when he saw two men throwing punches. He stopped his car, got between them and told them to cool it. The men gave up the fight and drove off. Smith says while he understands people are on edge right now, this is the time we need to pull together. And while most of us are finding ways to come together as families, staying in the safety of our own homes, home is not a safe place for everyone. The pressure of lost jobs and uncertainty may be fueling domestic violence. As Ramina Dea tells us, calls to a local crisis line are way up. Battered Women's Support Services has been hit with a 300% increase in calls over the last three weeks alone. So the volume was daunting. The executive director says for 40% of callers, it's their first time ever reaching out for help. The agency handles approximately 18,000 calls a year. Isolation because of COVID-19, making it even more difficult for victims of violence who are trying to leave dangerous situations, says Angela McDougall. Adding that the agency is hearing from worried loved ones, co-workers and children as young as 12 years old. We're getting calls from children and youth who have, uh, they've witnessed their mother's abuse for their, you know, their lifetime. Now they're under this social isolation scenario and they're checking in about what options they have, what can they do right now to engage their mother, engage their siblings in terms of their safety. And we've received calls from youth because of their own experiences in a dating situation, but we hadn't received call calls from children and um, young, young people who wanted to talk about their mother and their siblings and themselves. How young? The youngest is 12. That's worried about their mom. 
That's right. And themselves, worried about their mom and themselves and their siblings right now because they've been living with this. And, and you know, and this is what we want. We, it's, you know, we want to, this is what, why we wanted to get out in front of this because we want, we know this is happening. McDougal says there is immense pressure right now on transition houses. She is grateful for a Vancouver hotel which has stepped up to provide an entire floor for women and children who have nowhere else to go. For safety reasons, the hotel cannot be named. Romina Dea, Global News. Just a few days after announcing a major reduction in service, BC Ferries is bringing in new measures to reduce the risk of spreading the novel coronavirus. The Crown Corporation will start screening passengers for COVID-19 symptoms before allowing them to board. And you'll be required by law to answer some questions. Richard Sussman has the details on what you need to know if you need to take a ferry. Along with being given a ticket and told what lane you're in, Passengers heading to BC Ferries are now going to also receive a health check. What we will now be implementing is uh, screening of passengers on voyages longer than 30 minutes. And this will involve a series of questions for passengers. Starting as soon as possible, BC Ferries customers will be legally required to answer some questions. Do you have a fever and cough? Are you struggling with breathing? Have you been refused boarding because of COVID-19? And are you subject to any health orders? If they are exhibiting any signs, if they have a fever and a cough, they would be denied travel. There has been some confusion around the new rules. BC Ferries making it clear people coming from outside of the country can still get on board in order to head straight home for isolation. If a passenger has been traveling internationally but is not feeling ill, is not uh, has not tested positive for COVID, uh, does not have a presumptive case, then those passengers will be permitted to travel home. The BC Ferry staff will not be required to take passengers' temperatures. And even though traffic is down by 80%, vehicle passengers must now remain in their vehicles. The BC Ferries Employees Union is worried about what happens to an employee turning a passenger away. We're concerned about the increased risk of, uh, of violent or negative interactions from passengers who may be uh, declined passage for reasons that they would likely view as arbitrary. Ferries is in the midst of getting signage up, so the new rules are clear. And even though walk-ons are still allowed, if those boarding the ferry by foot answer yes to any of the mandated questions, they will also be denied entry. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. It may not come as a shock, but alcohol sales are up substantially right now. And a growing trend is towards options that are less expensive than the liquor stores. But as Paul Johnson reports, that's generating new concerns about the possible long-term effects of drinking more through this crisis. One day we opened up on Tuesday and it was like triple the business. There's an old saying that people drink when they're happy and drink when they're sad. Brian Jansen will tell you tough times mean they'll also brew beer. You got more time on their hands? Well, it takes a few hours to put a brew together, and uh, it's cost-effective. Jansen sells equipment and ingredients to amateur brewers. So with the bars closed, people who still love a hoppy pint can look forward to happy hour. His business has never been busier. The liquor board says that the sales are up for the month of March 40%. Independent liquor distributor Paul Jordan is seeing a similar spike in sales. At first, he thought it was panic buying by people scared the liquor stores would close. But now he suspects a shift in the business. 
His border town wines from Asuyus he thinks is filling a new niche. People looking for products they can affordably drink at home. Solid quality wines, good price, um, great value. So those are the sorts of things that I think that'll win going forward. Alcohol is a natural place to turn for many of us. Addiction counselor Don Schuler reminds people that a drink here and there to take the edge off is probably okay, but watch it. But if it turns from a glass of wine here and there to a glass of wine every night or I can't manage or uh, whiskey in my coffee with my first breakfast meeting, I think it's, you need to get some help and reach out. No doubt some will come out of this needing help. But as to the earlier fears that drove binge buying, industry insiders say relax. They expect no problem with supply. Okay, so plenty of hops. Plenty of hops, plenty of barley, plenty of yeast. Paul Johnson, Global News. Metro Vancouver's Asian restaurants are rallying to help feed essential workers at the front lines of the pandemic. The walks were sizzling at the Fortune Terrace Chinese Cuisine today as staff prepared boxed meals for hospital workers. This restaurant, one of 30 taking part in the Chopsticks to Heroes initiative. Chinese restaurants saw their business fall much earlier in the pandemic than their mainstream counterparts, but they want to contribute in any way they can. The Chinese community also care about the frontline worker. And I hope, and I also hope everyone can come together as a community to support, to support and to fight this crisis. Organizers are planning to deliver close to 3,000 meals this month with the help of the Chopsticks to Heroes GoFundMe campaign. A surge in popularity of non-medical masks and an urgent change of protocol for those who are healthcare professionals. They've been told to stretch out their use of the N95 masks, sometimes for a whole shift. What it says about the supply of protective equipment and why nurses and doctors are not happy about it in just over a minute. It's two years since the Humboldt bus crash, how that tragedy inspired massive support for organ donation. Coming up later on the News Hour. Plus, the COVID pandemic takes a strange turn with a tiger now infected. What it could mean for your pet coming up. Right now, though, it's a constant concern for healthcare workers. Will they have enough masks and other personal protective equipment to safely do their jobs? Doctors and nurses in BC are now being told to make their N95 masks last for a full shift. That's a major change from normal practice and one they feel puts them at risk. Ted Chernecki reports. It is suddenly a new currency in the rapidly evolving healthcare economy. The supply of medical personal protective equipment is short, but the demand is long. We've received some, a small supply from the federal government. We've also received a significant number of surgical masks and N95 respirators. The shortage had prompted U.S. President Donald Trump to invoke his Defense Production Act and force American manufacturers like 3M to redirect supplies to America. Late today, an agreement was reached that ensures traditional U.S. companies can continue to supply Canada and Latin America as needed. But America will get 166 million new respirators, mostly from China, over the next three months. Until then, everyone's looking at all ideas. We are also looking at other measures, such as how can we 
um, disinfect, if you like, or decontaminate masks? Um, how do we uh, best look after the limited supply that we have? Now, nurses in B.C. are being asked to reuse the same protective equipment all day in some cases. Extraordinary measures in extraordinary times, but they come with a risk to the very people you don't want infected. We know that the highest risk for a healthcare worker, uh, a nurse being contaminated, is during the donning and doffing, so mostly on the taking off of equipment. But if you're putting on equipment, putting back on a mask, that may be already uh, contaminated, you increase your own risk of being contaminated. BC has an 85-page document on how to prioritize protective health equipment in a pandemic. Depending on which stage we're at, and there are six of them, it can mean anything from carrying on more or less as usual at stage one, but we're well past that. We're at phase four. We don't have any supplies that I'm aware of that are, have been affected yet by the concerns from the U.S. At stage six, healthcare workers are asked to implement homemade items and use equipment not evaluated or approved. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Now, when it comes to non-medical masks, health authorities in B.C., Canada and across North America are starting to change their message. While we were initially told that wearing cloth masks isn't necessary to help prevent the spread of COVID-19, the consensus now seems to be, well, at least it can't hurt. John Waugh reports. Armed with a steady hand and a sewing machine, Sarah Brad is stitching together a possible line of defense that may help limit the spread of COVID-19. Honestly, if you have a sewing machine, anyone can. It's straight stitch sewing. Lay the pattern piece on top of the fabric. The Maple Ridge mother started making non-medical masks for others to wear during the pandemic. An invisible layer of protection for her son, who has type 1 diabetes. If we all had them on, then at least we would be stopping ourselves from spreading it to each other. Now Canada's top doctors have agreed the use of non-medical masks is an option for those worried about spreading the virus without knowing it. It's a bit like covering your cough. If some people are infected, but they don't know that they're infected or they are pre-symptomatic, um, that layer of protection is a way that you can protect others. To be clear, a cloth mask won't stop you from catching COVID-19. It's not going to protect you from getting infected with this virus. It's not an alternative to the things that we know work. Still, Canada is following the move already made in other countries like the United States. This is voluntary. I don't think I'm going to be doing it. Not so voluntary in Riverside County, California, where non-medical masks are now mandatory for anyone leaving their home until the end of the month. They require no sewing. And so the do-it-yourself videos are now dominating social media. How to make a mask using a bra. From makeshift solutions to more fashionable options for sale online. If we all wear a mask and we don't look so silly. I just started today because they recommended it. Most importantly, the move might save valuable medical grade equipment for those on the front lines. They are the ones that need the most protection. It's one more way to press down the curve of the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> Layered on top of social distancing measures that truly have us covered. John Hua, Global News. Up ahead, some encouraging signs in America's COVID hotspot. Total number of hospitalizations are down. Hopeful news in New York State, but trouble brewing elsewhere. And if COVID has you feeling crushed by debt, there are people who can help. 
traffic is moving well in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Do keep in mind, though, overnight maintenance causing some lane closures in both directions. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. While the provincial and federal governments have provided emergency financial relief for Canadians during this pandemic, receiving that money can't come fast enough. No, and until it does, a lot of people are going deeper into debt to pay the bills. And if that's the case for you, Andrua has some help in consumer matters. Anne. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's a very difficult time for many people. Money has been either reduced or cut off. Many major banks and credit unions are offering some assistance, but on a case-by-case basis. The Credit Counseling Society suggests now is the time to build and stick to an emergency budget if you can. They suggest looking at all of your expenses and scale back, cut back on non-essential spending. It's a good idea even if you are still employed so you can build Build an emergency fund, especially since we don't know how long this pandemic will last. Consider temporary employment during this crisis. Some grocery stores, pharmacies and big box retailers are looking for part-time workers along with many delivery services. And if you're struggling financially, it's also a good time to get in touch with creditors. But be prepared. Financial experts say it's important to look at your current circumstances and determine what you can and cannot do. Once you've reviewed how much income is coming in, when it's coming in, and so you have a better idea of your cash flow, your circumstances, then you're in a position to speak with your creditors and looking at saying, and it could be the fact that you're asking for a one-month delay before you get some sort of relief benefits, or the fact that you're asking, can I reduce my payments by 50% for the next three months until my circumstances improve? Now, the Credit Counseling Society is on top of how you get support from all levels of government and says it can provide guidance during this difficult time. You can reach out to them at no cost. Just go to nomoredebts.org. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, let's hope that helps. Thank you, Anne. Up next, a troubling turn from Boris Johnson, the latest on the UK Prime Minister and his battle against the novel coronavirus. And science studies the other devastating health impact of COVID-19.